0: Celebrating 100 years of KTSA, I'm Dennis Foley.
1: 55 KTSA.
0: And now the Jack Riccardi Show with Jack Riccardi.
2: Yes. Um, I was just uh, listening to all the weather data, mm-hmm. and uh, you forgot to mention the windchill. Did we have that right now? Do we know what that is right now?
0: Well, right now, the wind chill is the is the real feel, which is 106, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, I was looking for
2: something positive. Well, wind gusts are wind up chill,
0: to— 98. Yeah. Uh, well, in the Damn. shade, it's only 100, if that counts. Mm, okay. That's uh, good. With Thank wind you. gusts of 8 miles per hour
2: from the south-southeast. And in this kind of weather, the wind gust is basically like just turning your hair dryer on and sticking yeah. your face in front of it. So dew point is well. 60 anyway, degrees. good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our dreadful little show, as we like to call it, or somebody once called it. Uh, boy, you know, I've, I've been thinking today about uh, this this news about James Caan. Really, I don't know why it surprised me. I mean, he was eighty two, but I mean, he's one of those actors that you you don't think about very often. He's probably not an actor that people put. Posters up in their bedroom, but but even if you only watch a few movies, you've seen a James Con movie. There's no there, there's no way you've missed James Con at the movies. And if you haven't heard the news, he he's uh, his family announced uh, that he passed away. He was 82, and they thanked everybody for their prayers and love and and support. Um, he will always be remembered, I think, for the Godfather movies, and rightly so. I mean, those were phenomenal. Movies and he was phenomenal in them and I, I I'm a fan of that kind of movie, like mob movies and mafia movies. Go ahead and make a joke but i I think every movie they've made about organized crime since the Godfather draws from that. you can tell the actors and actresses have watched it i mean it's you you you're standing on the shoulders of of uh Coppola and and James Kahn and um you know everybody in those movies and and so James Kahn was was Sonny in uh in The Godfather and was was just incredible um and 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 you know they say I've heard actors say that sometimes a role like that limits you or typecasts you is that the word typecasts you where oh now I can't they, nobody can think of me as anything else but but I mean if you look at his career he did so many different things and he was so good in so many movies. I I chuckled, kind of. Uh, One of the headlines I saw this morning, it was on uh, one of the websites, was uh, James Caan, comma, The Godfather and Elf Star, which is funny because Elf really doesn't belong in the same category as The Godfather, but probably those are the movies that are most often shown with James Caan, right? Like Elf is shown every Christmas and The Godfather is always on somewhere. Um, you know another movie I think of, and what what is your favorite James Caan movie? Two ten, five nine nine fifty five fifty five. What's your favorite James Caan movie moment? I, I also loved Misery. Do you remember that movie in nineteen ninety with uh, Kathy Bates? And it was based on a Stephen King book, and the book was really good. I remember thinking this: there's no way the movie will be as good, and it it turned out to be it might be better than the book. It, it, Misery is the story of a of a author played by James Caan, who gets into a wreck in a remote, wintry area, and um, this woman comes along and saves his life, pulls him out of the wreck. He would die otherwise, and she takes him to her house. And then it just happens that she's his biggest fan. And um, it turns into this kind of Hitchcock story where she decides she's never going to let him out of that house and she Kathy Bates is is really the star of the movie because she's so phenomenal in it it was a breakout uh role for her but but James Khan is so good as a guy that um has trouble being grateful <laughs> starts to become grateful and then doesn't you know then realizes I'm not going to be grateful to her she's nuts uh I was looking through some clips of James Kahn movies today we were going to play some moments from his different movies and I was having a hard time, and I realized why that is. If you think about it, he doesn't talk very much in his movies. So every every iconic scene that he's in, whether it's The Godfather or Misery or Brian's song or Elf, the other people are doing more talking. He's acting, but he's acting with his face, he's acting with his with his gestures. He's had a great presence on screen. So I want to know what your favorite James Caan movie is. We'll talk about James Caan a little bit here. Um, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. If you if you think about all the things politicians talk about, they probably talk more BS on illegal immigration than any other subject. I mean, think about it, right? It's all talk, no action. So we had a group of border sheriffs here the other day declare an invasion and they're using that word because it's, it is a specific reference to a condition that under the Constitution, states can repel an invasion. And so they're calling for the governor to be more muscular in his response to the southern border. Bear County Sheriff Javier Salazar is mad at those sheriffs, like in Uvalde County and Kinney County. He says they're fear-mongering. Now, these guys are all sheriffs, right? Aren't they all in the same business? But this is what I mean. It's like we can't agree that when it comes to illegal immigration, there are good people and bad people. There are are people that want to come here for the proverbial better life. I get that. I'm not trying to make an enemy out of them. I don't see them as an enemy. But they are in the midst of or they have, uh contributed to or a whole criminal enterprise has has sprung up around them that is the enemy i mean how, how why is it we can't agree on this it's not either or it, it's not it's not black or white there are good people there are there are bad people there are traffickers there are smugglers there are drug pushers there are gun runners there are terrorists and they're, they're riding that wave of quote-unquote people looking for a better life. And so Javier Salazar says, I don't want to talk about an invasion. I want to talk about having a front door. What the hell does that even mean? I mean, okay, have a front door, have a back door, have a sliding glass door. We want a door that locks. We want a door that works. It's not working right now. The door's been taken off the hinges. But doesn't it frustrate you that they talk as if it's it's one extreme or the other you and i walk and chew gum at the same time we know it's both we're going to talk about that today and really when you think about it i don't know how you can not come to the conclusion that they just don't want to fix it right that that both parties benefit from keeping this a festering you know crisis a wound that never uh that never heals um and and maybe the most shocking thing about the border is that everyone agrees we really don't know the numbers. We can report monthly and quarterly and yearly the number of people apprehended, but that only allows you to extrapolate or estimate how many people are coming in. We've been saying, I, I, I have heard immigration groups say for 20 years there are 11 million illegal immigrants in this country. If that was true 20 years ago, that can't be true now. So we don't know, we're using a number that isn't even current because no one knows the real number. And there'd be no way to know it. You can only count the people you intercept. You can only count the people who show up for the hearing. You can't count the people you never saw, didn't get, cut loose, and we don't. Uh, It's not about whether our country can absorb these people. It's not about whether they're nice people. It's not about whether they want a better life. Of course, they do want a better life, and of course, they will have a better life here. But we have an obligation to know who's coming. We have an obligation to open and close that front door. If, If Javier Salazar wants a front door, then let's use it like we use our own front door. You have a front door. Do you leave it open all the time? Do you take it off the hinges and lean it up against the side of the house? Do you lock it sometimes? Uh, do you look out to see who's at it before you? Well, that that's what we want. I think that's what most people want. 210-599-5555. Invasions, front doors, we'll talk about all that. Um, and we're going to talk about James Caan. What's your favorite James Caan movie moment? and an update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic here next San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071 KTSA News Time 420 Jack Riccardi and we're talking about actor James Kahn who's uh, passed away at the age of 82 his family announced unforgettable moments in his role in The Godfather. Take a listen.
3: Hey, listen to
1: this. The turd wants to talk. He got you. Imagine a nerve on this son of a bitch. Hey, craps out last night. He wants a meeting today. What did he say? What did he say? But He wants us to send Michael to hear the proposition. And the promise is that the deal is so good that we can't refuse. Hey, what about Bruno Tatari? He's part of the deal. Bruno
4: cancels out what they did to my father.
2: That's little Don Rickles in there, isn't there? But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, just a great actor, old school came up through, you know, working in, uh, in on the stage actually went to an acting Academy. Uh, I know he played some college football at Michigan state kind of, kind of worked his way up. You know, I, I don't know if, if modern actors and actresses, I think they may maybe have different paths, but he kind of came up the way classic Hollywood came up and, Made so many great movies. What's your favorite James Conn movie? 210 599 Rita is on KTSA. Hi, Rita.
1: Hello. My favorite James Conn movie is the first one I saw back in uh, about 40 years ago. He played in Rollerball, the original Rollerball.
2: Oh, yeah. That's
1: right. And I forgot about that. Ever that. I thought he did an excellent job in it, but... That movie has become, for me, a blueprint of what's going on now. Where the the whole idea of the movie is that the corporations have taken over. There aren't governments anymore. The corporations take Mm -hmm. peace to Earth and and have taken control. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like we're heading for that now. We just don't Mm -hmm. have an international game to unite us, which is what Rollerball was designed to do. Right.
2: Yeah, no, it was one of those dystopian future movies. Yeah, that's a great – that's a that's one I had forgotten completely about, Rollerball. Thank you, Rita. 210 uh, 599 Omar on KTSA. Hi, Omar.
1: Hello, Jack.
0: And it's a, another bad month for actors. First Ray Liotta mm. and now James Kahn. I mean, come mm. on. But uh, James Caan and, and John Wayne and El Dorado, uh, you know, his nickname in the movie was, was Mississippi because he had this unusually long – you know, real name, so nobody could remember it, so they called him Mississippi, but anyway, that, that was my favorite. He had a bunch of good one-liners in there, and I, I just, I, I, I like that one.
2: He, you know, he just, his, I, I didn't realize it until today, but in all of his big roles, he just doesn't say very much.
4: No, he says plenty in, in
0: El Dorado. He, he talks a Does bunch he? In, in that way Okay, because it
2: looked to me bunch. like everywhere I went today, the scenes were like, you had to look at his face. And he acted a lot with his face. But maybe it's different in that one. Omar, thank you. I appreciate it. 210-599-5555. Clark is on KTSA. Hi, Clark.
4: Hello, Jack. Uh, you know, The first one that popped in my mind was Brian Song. And I might yeah. be a little older than most of your listeners. But, man, what a movie.
2: i got to tell you a story about that movie. We had to watch that in school um, one year when I was in middle school. They had us. I don't know why. We, we we went to the library. We sat on the floor. They played Brian's song. Maybe we read the book. I don't know. But you're at that age where you don't want to cry in front of the other kids. But everybody, I mean, when the lights came back on, I mean, right? You you know what I'm talking about. I don't care who you are. Yeah, I don't know if anybody. You're, yeah. You're cry You're cry, You could be the toughest person ever. You're crying at the end of that movie. The scene at the bed, you know, I mean, come on.
1: Yeah, he, he we, sure pulled off a role there.
4: And, and him and, and uh, gosh, I forget who played Gale Sayers. But, uh, yeah, they, they really pulled off a good movie.
2: Yeah, it's a great movie. Brian song, that's a good one. Clark, thank you. Um, I was thinking, obviously, The Godfather comes to mind. Misery, uh, you know, is, is up there for me. Do you remember, he was in a movie called Gardens of Stone. I forget when it came out. It's it's been a while now, and it was a movie about the military burials at Arlington, and he, he was like a I think he was a sergeant, um, and it was it was another one of those roles where when you look at clips and scenes, it's just laconic. It's it's he says a lot with very little. It's not that he's not saying anything, but it's not it's not you know uh, a lot of words or word salad and uh, great great facial expressions in his movies you know you think about elf he's reacting to will ferrell all the the craziness of will ferrell you would need somebody that could just without saying anything just look right He had that look 210-599-5555 greg's on ktsa hey greg
0: hey jack how you doing good hey uh it, two two of his movies that i think that are pretty underrated uh he, i guess he had a chance to ham it up a little bit was uh alien nation uh, about the alien oh, yeah. invasion yeah. Yeah. and then uh eraser with arnold schwarzenegger when he plays the uh the uh, bad uh, uh the us i'm trying
2: so, to remember in alien nation in was he a police control. officer is that what he was like a detective yeah. or something
0: yeah he was a detective in the future and uh, you know they had yeah. they, they had the uh, alien invasion and they were welcoming all the, uh, uh, aliens and, and, uh, you know, they're integrated into society and he had a uh, alien, uh, 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 partner that mm-hmm. he worked with that he wasn't mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, nice to, but, uh, made it up, you know, like a cop, a cop buddy film. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, those two movies were, you know, had a chance to kind of ham it up a little bit.
2: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, that I'd forget alienation was pretty good. I remember that. And, and kind of, uh, I think, ahead of its time, because then a whole lot of movies came along. We had um, District 9, and a lot of movies with kind of similar themes. Uh, talking about uh, James Caan, the actor has passed away at the age of 82. What was your favorite James Caan movie? You can say The Godfather, if that's your choice. I'm sure it will be for a lot of people. Um, Elf, to me, was, I, I, I when I saw Elf, I thought, I wonder what made them put James Kahn in this movie. And I even maybe thought, and I'm sorry now that I thought this, well, maybe he had to take this role, maybe his you know his career is tailing off. It turns out that it was just the opposite. The people that made elf uh really wanted him they had him in mind for the role opposite will Ferrell, and he did not want to do it. He said he didn't like anything about it he didn't like the title he didn't like the plot description, but they twisted his arm and will Ferrell in particular lobbied him to be in a movie that now we we all watch every you know every christmas season here's Here's a moment from James Conn and Elf.
3: Yeah.
1: Mr. Hobbs, it's me on the intercom. Go ahead. Yeah, I think
3: someone sent you a Christmas gram. Dad! All right, uh, let's get it over with. I walked all day and night to find you. Uh, you look like you came from the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly where I came from. Santa must have called you. Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, just got off the cell phone with me. You did? Go, go on go on with what well like, are you gonna sing a song or something or can I just go back to work a song uh yeah anything for you dad um i i'm I'm here with my dad and we never met and he wants me to sing him a song <laughs> yeah um, I was adopted But you didn't know I was born So I'm here now I found you, Daddy And guess what? I love you, I love you, I love you Well, wow. that was weird you know, Usually guys just, uh, you know Put my name in the jingle bells or something It's me, your son Susan Wells had me And, and she didn't tell you and, 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 and But now I'm here, it's me, Buddy
1: Susan Wells You said Susan Wells? Yes. Who sent this Christmas gram?
3: What's a Christmas gram? I want
1: one. I think we should call security. Good idea. Mm -hmm. I like to whisper, too.
2: (laughs) Better call security. Yeah, that was genius casting. Uh, And, you know, that's also the movie, uh, in my opinion, another genius casting move. Who thinks to put Ed Asner as Santa Claus, right? And, boy, that was phenomenal. So, anyway, we're we're talking about uh, the late, great... James Caan, your favorite movie with him, 210-599-5555. Nick is on KTSA. Hi, Nick.
5: Hey, Jack. Hey, I was, I'm was. i a history guy, and I really enjoyed the Cornelius Ryan adaptation of Bridge Too Far mm-hmm. when he played yeah. the, the salty platoon sergeant.
2: I'm a big fan uh, of those, like, long, you know, three-hour... <laughs> World War 2 epic, you know, movies uh like Bridge Too Far and 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 you know uh it, to me though the, the the thing about those movies is they usually have huge casts and it's hard to appreciate like one actor cuz there's so many people in it but you're right i mean he was he was great in that he he was adaptable to a lot of different things
5: yeah he he played it well and that that scene where he's threatening the surgeon blowing his head off if he doesn't
2: take a look at his mm-hmm. captain
1: who, mm-hmm.
5: who the surgeon wrote off
2: <laughs> right yeah he brings him in the jeep right yeah
4: yeah Yeah.
2: Is- no that is that's a great scene nick thank you appreciate it yeah. that's a good one a bridge too far david's on ktsa hi david how you doing good what's that's your favorite james, james conn Con movie
1: volleyball. Volleyball.
2: oh yeah okay we had somebody mention that yeah you like that one Very much so. Let's see it again before I die. Well, I hope that that you do. And thank you for the call, David. Uh, We'll talk some more about James Caan, and we're going to talk about the front door and the back door and the side door and the invasion and illegal immigration and make sense of that, Uh, 210-599-5555. And also, are we having a libertarian moment uh, thanks to the Supreme Court? Yeah, you know, if you really stop and break down what the protesters of the abortion decision are saying, I don't think even they realize that what they are demanding, screaming for is kind of what libertarians have been demanding. Not to say they are, maybe they don't realize they are, maybe some of them will be libertarians. We'll talk about that. <laughs>
1: This is Dana Lash congratulating KTSA on 100 years of service to San Antonio and South Texas.
2: We're talking about uh, actor James Kahn and we're talking about the border. Sheriff Salazar says he's uh, had a meeting or a conversation, I guess, with some Biden people and that it went well and that um, he told them their approach is not working. But he also says that his fellow sheriffs, who are describing the southern border as an invasion, are fear-mongering. Now, aren't these guys all basically supposed to be doing the same thing? And what is the um, what is the, what, what is the point of saying we need to discuss this stuff or we need a an engagement on this stuff if in the next breath you're name-calling or chastising the people with whom you're supposed to work. These guys all need to be on the same page. You're sheriffs of counties in Texas. There shouldn't be any daylight between you on perceiving this problem and dealing with this problem, and you should have each other's back. This is more evidence, I think, that politicians really don't ever want a solution to illegal immigration. They just want to be able to continue to stomp their feet and fundraise and generate votes the uh the idea that it's either an invasion or it's just good people trying to find a better life is laughable there are good people trying to find a better life there are this is also an invasion it is an organized criminal enterprise to get people into the country along with getting in drugs, getting in terrorists, getting in other things. It's nonsense to pretend we don't know that. It's useless to make certain words off limits or say, well, you can't call it this. And this idea that we need a front door, the sheriff says we need a front door. I couldn't agree with him more, but I guess we have different different definitions of a front door. My front door is made out of wood. It has a lock. I guess his front door has beads or something. It's like, it's, like one of those, it's like one of those bead curtains. 210-599-5555. And look, we are a nation of immigrants. How many times have you heard that? They love to say that. That's, a, that's an applause line, right? Well, let's think about that. Because I, I, I come from some of those immigrants. I'm the, I'm the third generation of people that came through Ellis Island. Typical story, very typical. Came here poor, didn't speak English, figured it out, wound up becoming contributing members of their community. First generation, my grandfather owned a small business. His son served in World War II. By the third generation, Ricardis were going to college. So, yes, I get it. But we were not, when we were being a nation of immigrants and when we were growing through immigration, we were not ruining the lives of people the way we're ruining the lives of people in places like Eagle Pass. We were not visiting misery and fear into the lives of Americans who were already here. They have a lot of nerve talking about that nation of immigrants' tradition. They've learned nothing from it. They're not doing it in, at all the way it was done. They don't have the same requirements, the same standards, the same goals. So you can say that's our history, but you guys aren't living up to it. I don't care what you call it. You can call it an invasion. You can call it anything you want. But we all know that it's both. both things are true. Yeah, there are people that are trying to get out of a hellhole, get to a better a better place, a better life. But there's also a lot of crime, a lot of bad actors. 210 599 Tell me what you think about that. We're going to talk about it, and we're going to take some more calls about uh, actor James Kahn as well on KTSA. And Esteban is on the radio. Esteban, good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon. I think Sheriff, Sheriff Javier Salazar should review that. These events of the last two weeks to realize what people are actually bringing in the immigrants? You know, there was only 53 people who died in this, really a death straight out of Auschwitz in Bear County. And so we know the cartels control the northern entry points in Mexico. So, and as you said, we have peepholes in front doors. Some people at night when the front door is being banged on, carry a piece to the front door. We have caller ID. Uh, I knew an immigrant that, yeah, he came in, he came legally, but he had to go through a little additional security to get a security clearance in the United mm-hmm. States military. Mm-hmm. And I knew another immigrant. Uh, she had tuberculosis. She was quarantined. So the tuberculosis mm-hmm. was not, no longer spreadable before she entered mm-hmm. the United States. And I
2: don't think those requirements are particularly racist. No. No, and I mean, you're right. I mean, they would come to this country, they would enter these points of entry like Ellis Island. That they didn't know they could they could be turned back on a whim. Um they wrote on my grandfather's jacket in chalk as they processed him, you know. They didn't have like bracelets with uh QR codes. <laughs> They were, as he mo- they moved him through all the different check-in stations, they were riding on his jacket with chalk. You, the ACLU would have a field day with that today. My point is, if you want to talk about our history, we knew how to do it. We did it so successfully that inside of a few decades, we became the most productive, powerful nation on earth because we, we turned the immigration wave to our advantage and, of course, the people that came here became successful Americans. They didn't hem and haw about it. They weren't encouraged to, to, to live dual lives or have dual loyalties. There was a lesson in that. Don't invoke that past unless you're applying the successful lessons from it. Otherwise, you, you really don't need to be mentioning it. Today, what we have, I think, are politicians that just like a crisis. It's, it's good for fundraising, you know? It's good for. So, so when something like the, the, the dead people in the trailer happens, the fundraising letters begin immediately. Nobody has a solution. They just have a, oh, this is outrageous. Send us $15 and we'll keep up the fight. You know, we should be asking the same question that these pro abortion people are asking. You asked for our vote. You asked for our money. You said you would you would uh, take care of this, and you didn't. That's why they're mad at Biden and they're mad at the Democrats, because the Dobbs decision exposes that for, for decades Democrats just talked about abortion but never did anything about it. And we should be mad at politicians that have talked about immigration but have never done anything about it. 210-599-5555. All right. And as I mentioned, uh, we've been talking about uh, the great James Caan and his passing at the age of 82. I mentioned some of my favorite uh, movies with him. Obviously, Godfather's Part 1 and 2, Misery, Brian's Song, uh, Gardens of Stone, Elf. What's your favorite James Caan movie? Becky is on KTSA. Hi, Becky. Hi.
1: How I'm are Becky. you?
2: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
1: Hi. good. So my favorite movie with James Caan was Funny Lady. And he played um, Billy Rose. And then of course Misery. That's a great movie too. Mm. Awesome. Fun movie yeah.
2: to watch. Yeah. <laughs> um m- misery really sneaks up on you. You just you don't you don't expect it to be as good as it is and, and um I was I was just blown yeah. away by by him, and of course, Kathy Bates in that movie, "What a revelation, right? I, I, know. I mean, Just she, that is a character. And I, I think that is a character she had a hard time living down. I think people couldn't see her as anything but that lady in the movie mm-hmm. for a while, you know, but with James Kahn, a lot of variety. He did a lot of things, did him well. Thank you, Becky. Uh, Gennaro is on 550 and 1071 KTSA as we talk about uh, the late great James Caan. Uh Gennaro, good afternoon. Okay, actually, I think it looks like our phones may be stuck. So we'll what we'll do, I think, here is repair the phones and come back to this conversation after an update on KTSA Time Saver Traffic.
4: Celebrating 100 years of
1: service. Fifty five KTSA.
2: KTSA News Time, 451, Jack on 550 and 1071 KTSA. And don't forget, tomorrow we'll kick off the weekend with The Dish. We'll be talking restaurants in our 6 o'clock hour um, as we head into the weekend. 210-599-5555. So actor James Caan has passed away at the age of 82, famous for The Godfather and many other great movies, Elf, Misery, he was in a movie with Robert Duvall, another movie with Robert Duvall. Of course, they were in The Godfather, but uh, he was in a movie. I had to look up the title because I couldn't remember it. They were uh, like professional hitmen, assassins. It was called The Killer Elite, and they were both so good in that. And Robert Duvall is another one of those actors who's done so many different things and been so great in so many different uh, different roles. And, and I think that's the thing about James Caan, when you start thinking about it and you start ticking off the movies, and people are saying their favorite movie. There's such a variety, right? They're not all Godfather movies. They're not all serious movies. And he's playing every kind of person you could ever encounter. 210-599-5555. Gennaro with a favorite James Caan movie. Hi, Gennaro.
4: Hey, Jack. How you doing, man?
2: What's your favorite one?
4: Uh, Actually, I'm going to comment on two I'm going to uh, – the first time I ever saw a James Conn movie, it was The Godfather. And I was like four years old, man. And somehow the parents took me to the theater. They, they get took you at center. four
2: to see The Godfather, Genaro?
4: Or, or, yeah. <laughs> they couldn't get a baby. They
2: couldn't get I guess a baby not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That explains so, a lot. That's all I
4: will just leave it leave it at that. So so okay. uh Sonny, I remember Sonny coming to the, the toll booth.
2: Oh, the toll booth and, scene, yes.
4: And him getting ticked off and hey man and all of a sudden, man, big shootout and I'm like, oh my god, this Oh it's not a shootout.
2: Not they just shoot him. He does I don't think he got a shot off. <laughs> And they shot him. How many times did they shoot him? He had like hundreds of bullet wounds. <laughs> and I remember, he's on the ground. <laughs> clearly dead. I mean, he's got holes in his body. And they're still shooting him on the ground.
4: And then and then, the guy that does the last shot goes and kicks him in the kicks head.
2: Kicks him in the head, yeah. Uh, but, I think we've all had uh, days like that.
4: N- but the other movie. Right, real quick, what was your other one? Uh, Colt classic.
2: Uh, Alienation. Alienation. Yeah, great oh,
4: yeah. movie. Great movie.
2: Well, I think that maybe that prepared him to work with uh, Will Ferrell and Elf because I don't know. Will Ferrell's kind of an alien in Elf too, so maybe that's where he got the got the the inspiration. Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. When you hear that he didn't want to do it, and then got his arm twisted into doing it, and you look at that movie, you think who else could who else could it be? I mean, who else could play that part? It has to be him. Letty is on 550 and 1071
1: KTSA. Hi Letty. Hi Jack. Uh so without a doubt, absolutely The Godfather is my mm. all-time favorite. And every time it comes on TV, I've got to watch it cuz mm-hmm. I, I was real young when that movie came out, but it was later in life that I discovered it and I just thought he right. was the sexiest thing alive after seeing that movie. And the kick to the head, oh my god, the devastation. Yeah. But um he was also in it in a on a TV series on NBC called Las Vegas. I think he was GM of a hotel there. Yeah, And and It was about all the shenanigans going on at that hotel, but I liked him in that.
2: I did too. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, he didn't do a ton of TV work, uh, but that was really good. And that was a good series. It was on for only a few years, but it was a really good series.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking my call. You have a good evening.
2: You too, Letty. Thank you. Uh, Russell's on KTSA, Jack Riccardi Show. Hi, Russell.
1: Hey, one of my best ones, uh, memories uh James Conn, I grew up as him, would be not only Misery, but Brian's song, based yeah. on the true story with Dale Sayers. Yeah. I mean, and the way that ended and everything. Now, you know, Misery, you know, Stephen King, you know where he's from. Mm-hmm. And he's from Bangor, Maine. Right. Yeah. And uh, I'm from Bangor, Maine. And He's oh, okay. a great guy. Yeah, he's a great guy. You know. So, you know, I when I used
2: to when I used to tell people I was from New England, they would uh and we you know, you talk about different people that are from New England, you yeah. talk about and Stephen King's name comes up. People say, is everybody in Maine like Stephen King?
1: <laughs> well, you know what? The thing is, we're all laid back. You know. Yeah. And, and Stephen King is one of the guys. Him and his wife have done so much for the city of yeah. Bangor, Maine. Yeah. The children you know, then the library there, he's a yep. great guy, and all his movies is scary as all heck. But Misery, I agree with, you, is one of his best ones. James,
2: it's so incredible. Yeah.
1: Bates. Oh my god! Ah, you know. Yeah, that
2: is such yeah, an incredible I, movie.
1: I, I'm, and I still, I still think about my knees today. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to.
2: You don't want to even think. You don't even want to th- go there. Yeah. What what she does to his ankles, hobbling. Oh my God. Yeah, Um, I think we have that Do we have that scene? I think we do Do we have that scene for Misery, Greg? Can we play that? Let's play that real quick This is the hobbling scene
1: Paul, do you know about the early days of the Kimberly Diamond Mines?
5: Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry, they didn't kill them that would be like junking your Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working, but they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling.
3: Annie, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it.
0: Annie, for God. Shh,
1: no. Trust me.
3: God's sake for the best. Hey, <laughs> Almost done. Just one more.
2: Mm. I can't help it, too, and I'm probably going to get yelled at for saying this, but there, there's there been times when I've listened to Hillary Clinton campaigning, and she just sounds like Annie from Misery. I'm sorry. The whole, uh, this will be for your own good, and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, there's a little little bit of uh, Annie for misery in Hillary Clinton. So look, um, we're going to talk some more about James Caan. We're going to talk some more about a lot of things and get your votes in on the Stevens Roofing Jr. poll about uh, needing a better front door for the border, 210-599-5555, or find the Jr. poll at KTSA.com here after the news. Celebrating 100 years of KTSA, I'm Dennis Folding. And good afternoon jack so one of the big stories uh internationally today is this boris johnson story right the yeah. prime minister of britain uh their system their parliamentary system different than ours it has a component called no confidence vote and he was facing a no confidence vote that would go against him he won one narrowly uh in with members of his uh tory party but But looking ahead, it looked like he was not going to be able to continue, so he's announced he'll resign once a new uh, government and a a conservative slate is picked. But what's interesting to me is the no confidence part. When you look at the approval ratings for President Biden, if we had that system here, uh, he'd already be out. Um, So obviously we don't, but uh, Boris Johnson um, ran afoul of something that's really – typical of politics and politicians he, he he had some scandals and you may have heard about some of them there were parties that were being thrown at 10 Downing Street during the time that British uh, citizens were told they couldn't gather stuff like that he, there were sex scandals there were scandals involving people he'd appointed but the thing that brought him down and I always find this fascinating with politicians you know he had his he had his circle of of uh, fellow conservatives and they were defending him as each of these scandals would pop up but he was lying to them so they would go out and tell a version of events this is this is what really happened the media don't have it right we're being lied about and then they would be embarrassed to find out that the the story they were telling wasn't true and that he had lied to them that that will bring you down Every time, so many, and 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 in our country too. I mean, if you if you throw your own people under the bus, uh, they'll get up, dust themselves off, and throw you under the bus, and that's what's happening uh, to Boris Johnson. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, I used a term when we started seeing all of the uh, unhinged protests over the abortion decision from the Supreme Court. I, I used a term, kind of tongue in cheek. Uh, I called them ovarian libertarians. And I've been thinking about that. If stuff made sense, if two plus two equaled four, which very often it doesn't, we're, we really would be having kind of a libertarian moment. I mean, here you have these people on the left, right? These are people that voted for Joe Biden. They voted for Hillary Clinton. They um, vote, you know, probably straight ticket Democrat. Uh, they're hoping AOC is is going to be president someday. They truly, deeply believe that we can government our way out of anything and everything. They have a, a faith in that that is would be the envy of many an organized religion. I mean, many many a church wishes its members believed as fervently as they believe. And yet, here they are saying things like "my body, my choice," and "hands off my body," and no one gets to decide. And 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 I don't think they realize that that could actually be a, a mindset across the board. They could, if 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 only, if only, okay, they could see past abortion. They are singing the song, or at least they are humming the tune of people that are pro-First Amendment, pro-Second Amendment, um, anti-vaccine mandates, anti-mask mandating, et cetera, et cetera. This whole idea, Leave Me Alone, is a powerful American idea. Grover Norquist wrote a book about it entitled Leave Me Alone several years ago, and his idea was there's all these people with, with a single issue and they think that only they feel the way they do. But he said, actually, there's. if you took all of these single-issue people and you put them in a room, their common denominator is they want the government to leave them alone on that thing. But if they could broaden it out to say we should just have less government, we'd be legion. There'd be so many of us, they couldn't stop us. Divide and conquer, right? You probably have heard this story. A um, school district in Washington State, Bellingham, Washington, uh, is uh, running a workshop for children. Um, And they have one workshop for kids 9 to 12 and one workshop for kids 13 to 17. The workshop is run by the owner of a local sex boutique called Wink Wink, Jen Mason. She says she'll teach the kids about gender and sexual identities, sexual anatomy for pleasure and reproduction, kinds of solo and partnered sexual activities, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you sign your kid up for this sex ed workshop through the Bellingham, Washington Public Schools. Now, needless to say, uh, this sounds obscene and dreadful right but I'm also I want to pick apart a little piece of it I'm even wondering I I mean I don't like the idea at all but where are you getting the idea that like 13 to 17 is a thing Do you have any idea how different I mean if you've ever been a parent you know how different 13 is from 17 who would think that's an age range that all goes together And the, the, when people object to this stuff, I get that the first objection is how in your face it is and how um, amoral it is. But sometimes I think we forget to say the quiet part out loud. This is not um, for the government to do. And the way government gets away with doing a lot of this stuff with our kids is they say, well, if we didn't do it, nobody would. They're not learning this at home. They're not getting good information. They're getting misinformation from the Internet or from their peers or both. So we have to do these things because you're not doing it at home. And I think good people, people uh, uh, in good faith, when they first heard that argument about the first time it was used, whatever it was, whether it was the school lunch program or something else, you might have thought, well, okay, there are kids that don't get the attention they deserve. There are bad parents. There are okay. All right. Maybe maybe there are some kids that need to get this here or they wouldn't get it anywhere else. But see, we have we're like the frog in the boiling pot of water. We've allowed this to expand to anything and everything. And so um, in addition to the insanity of thinking that 13-year-olds and 17-year-olds should be learning the same thing, um, this is just not even the purview of school. I was thinking about this today. I mean, I don't want to get too deep, but thank God there are places in the world where parents raise kids where they believe there are two genders, where they believe in God, heaven and hell, try to do the right thing, eat meat when it's available, eat more vegetables than probably a vegetarian in Austin would, and don't worry about people they disagree with. They just concentrate on their own business, their own family, their own kids, their own lives thank god there are people like that there are whole countries of people like that because you know if 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 the whole world had gone as crazy as we're going if the whole world was going as crazy as bellingham washington i i have to tell you i think we'd be heading for the you know the next uh, noah's ark event i really do i think the only thing keeping us from another you know noah's ark event is that there are enough good people in the world not living like this not this lost cuz going along with this tells me you're just you're just lost you're you're not you're not thinking for yourself these are your kids you get one chance to teach them what you believe there's no guarantee by the way that when you do that they will Take that in and live by it, right? We all know when we raise kids that we can teach them the right thing, but we can't guarantee or make them do the right thing as they go through life they'll they'll do whatever it is they're going to do, but you get one chance to tell them what you think is right about sex or right about reproduction or right about gender or whatever it is. why would you Why would you resign that? abdicate that to a school district that then hires a sex boutique owner to teach it. I mean, really? So, I think that's why we're not getting the flood. There's whole countries of people that haven't bought into this nonsense. I wish we were one of them.
5: San Antonio's news, traffic, and weather station. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM one oh seven
2: one. 523 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Yeah, you ever, you ever think about the fact that our headlines and a lot of the stuff we talk about on, on the show, we talk about all these extreme kind of um aberrant, um just weird ideas, concepts, proposals, stuff we're doing with our kids, and and, and the rest of the world is not okay. What are there seven billion people in the world? Six and three quarter billion of them have two genders, and parents teach the kids about sex, and you know what I mean. That's probably what's saving us, because it, and I and don't get me wrong, I I'm proud to be an American, but thank God the rest of the world has not caught this woke uh, fever dream that so many of our fellow Americans seem to be under and I think have just been kind of beaten down by. And, you know, you, there's only so much time in a day and you've got to do other stuff. You can't be, you can't constantly be aggravated, agitated. So you're just kind of like, All right, whatever, okay. But th- this is not normal to most of the world. You know, there's entire countries where there's none of this. Thank goodness. So there's this report out on the Uvalde school shooting. It's called ALERT. It stands for Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training. And um, it's not good. Uh, The report pretty much says if you want to know all the things not to do, when you have a school shooter, it's what they did in Uvalde and didn't do in Uvalde. And they make a ton of points, I can't even, so many, I mean like one one point they make in the piece is that at one point there are two teams of troopers or other officers standing, facing one another in front of that classroom door and one of the authors of the report says if at that moment Somebody had popped out that door, the two teams of law enforcement would have shot each other. They're totally configured wrong. They're standing wrong. The idea that the radios didn't work and the chief didn't have a radio and they had shields but they didn't use them and the time frame, you know, the amount of time uh, that went on, there's just nothing. If you're like me, maybe you've been waiting to hear something. I mean, I'll just say I, I have been waiting to hear something that would be the you know, represent the the other side or the other hand. And there's nothing. There's nothing good here. There are individual acts of heroism and initiative. There's bravery and initiative shown by some parents. But there's so far. There's, there's nothing that exonerates or um, puts the, the police response in a better light. And you know what's weird about this to me? I'm just going to say it out loud. This all sounds like something that would happen in another state. If you had told me, if you had described the response that we've heard and that we know of up until this point and that's in this alert report, if you had described it to me without telling me where it was, I'd never guess it was in this state. And I'm not putting anybody down. I'm just saying I I would expect it if it happened anywhere. I wouldn't expect it anywhere, but if it happened anywhere, I'd expect it somewhere else. It's it's heart-sickening that it happened here. And I guess the good thing about these reports and when these incidents happen, they're, they're, they're parsed over and they're studied and they become the, the texts that are reviewed and used for training all over the country. Um, maybe a lot can be learned here. I'm not reading anything into the personal reactions of the officers. I wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know these men. But there's nothing good about the system, there's nothing good about the, the organizing or the leadership or the response or the implementation of training. They had opportunities to shoot this guy before he got into the school. He had already popped off shots and shot at people, and there's somebody with a shot at him, and the, and the officer is asking for permission to take the shot. And if we have gotten to the point, I mean, look, if we're at the point where a guy running toward a school with a rifle who's already shot the rifle at other people, if we're at the point where you have to ask for permission to do something about that, it's already over. Right? So I don't know what you think, but so far I've been waiting. I'm not one that likes to do a, a, I don't want to dance on the cops. I don't. I want to be their defender. I want to see it through their eyes. I want to see it their way but so far nothing has come out to to bolster their case in this 210 599 5555 tell me what you think we'll talk about that celebrating 100
0: years of service
1: 55 ktsa so I got one
3: more.
2: We're taking on the incredibly hot topic of going out to eat tomorrow night. It's the dish in our 6 o'clock hour. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. Hey, got to make the call, right? Praise or zing tomorrow night after 6 as we head into the weekend here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, Late Afternoon Show. Yeah, I I just don't think um, to this point we've heard anything, learned anything that would exonerate or um, lessen how bad the law enforcement response to Uvalde was. It, it just doesn't. It just it, it not only doesn't get better, it seems to get worse. And part of that was the way the story kept changing. But I also I have to wonder if this is part of of an even bigger problem than just school shootings and law enforcement. It, it, it looks like we are living in a world where, I don't care what you do, I don't care what your profession is or job is, it looks like we're living in a world where everything requires pre-approval. Everything, everything requires getting permission. I mean, I I don't know what else to think. A, A crazy looking kid is firing a gun outside of a school shooting at people, including a police officer, then runs toward the school with the gun. You have a shot at him, and you're trying to get somebody on the radio to give you permission to take that shot. I realize it's not like the movies. I'm not saying I would I, w- I would have been the hero if I'd been there. I, I I'm not that's not that's not me. I'm not I don't have that training. But this is just symbolic. How many times have you been in a business where you just wanted somebody to make a decision? they are like, well, I got a check, or I, we're not allowed to, you know. Everything is like that. What have we done to ourselves? I, I mean, I realize you can't have people free, freewheeling, freelancing all over the place. You can't ask the kid at McDonald's to make you spaghetti. I mean, I understand that. But can we not make any decisions? based on our training, based on our experience, just based on what we're seeing with our own two eyes? Have we so second-guessed policing that this is what we're we're reduced to? And I don't think it is, because we've had, since Uvalde, we've had better responses. But it does make you wonder. 210-599-5555. Steve is on KTSA. Steve, good afternoon.
4: Jack, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. We no longer teach critical thinking. That, that's number yeah, one. That's the word. That's but it. It, I, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong supporter of law enforcement and the military, friends, family, associates, both past and present in both. But it is, this is nightmarish, and it becomes more nightmarish every day. And it is getting harder and harder and harder for me. To, to stand up and, and say proudly that I back the blue every day. We have we have the uh, the shooting that just occurred at the parade. I don't know if anybody's aware of this, but I, I heard that this kid, within the last month, specifically posted, "I'm going to shoot this parade up, this celebration up," and then I've we not have heard the that. police thought uh,
2: I've not we I've have, not heard that. I'll look for that. That I've not specifically heard.
4: We we have we have the spokesman coming out and telling us how great our police officers were. Oh my god, we we did wonderful work and we caught this guy and if it hadn't been for our wonderful police department, we wouldn't have been able to find him so quick and he's going to be punished and 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 no no parole and no this and no that and multiple more charges are co- I don't care about any of that. I don't care one rat's hang about any of that. This guy posted a month ahead of time, this is what I'm going to do, and that is what he did. Yeah. And I just, I I, I have no words. It's, it's more and more nightmarish every day.
2: Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Steve, thank you. I appreciate the uh, call. Uh, Joe writes to Jack at KTSA.com, just saw the report on KSAT about the Uvalde shootings that said immediately children's screams could be heard along with numerous gunshots in the classrooms. The rate of fire was initially very rapid, then slowed, lasting only a few seconds. Yet these fully armed men with, at a minimum, bulletproof vests and sidearms couldn't find it within themselves to rush in and save those scared, screaming, and dying children who were calling 911 on their phones for all they were worth. I can't imagine the abject fear these tiny kids felt when nobody came to help. I know fear, and you'll just have to take my word for it, but I've never been as scared as those little kids had to be. So I I think a lot of people, and I I think I can safely say this for our audience, um, in many, many circumstances and many, many news stories over many years, we wait We don't join the the blame the cops first crowd. We are not hypocrites. We call the police when we feel we need them, so we certainly believe in them enough to do that. When we say we back the blue, we mean that in a variety of ways. Many of us have police officers in our families or among our friends or both. We're not disparaging the profession, but we've waited and waited and we've Been patient and we've kept an open mind, and this isn't getting better. This is actually getting worse as we learn more. If there is some bombshell revelation that is going to completely change this story and the way it appears right now, I think that the window is closing for that. What do you think? And is it part of a of of the the loss of critical thinking which is which is one thing i would agree with but i would also say i see in a lot of different jobs it may not be that people can't critically think it it's it's that they're not allowed to you are not supposed to improvise you are not supposed to solve problems you're not supposed to uh please the customer the highest aspiration in many professions is to not make any decisions of your own, and yet a moment like this is going to require those. You know, if you think about battlefields, if you've read about any war, if you've ever served in, in combat, not just in the military, but in combat, there's always some improvisation. Nothing goes according to plan. 210 599 Steve is on the radio. Steve, good afternoon.
5: Hey, Jack. You know, one side of this is, uh, you know, a lot of these police officers, especially these days, they take action, they do certain things, and then they turn around and end up going to jail because of this or that. Our court system is part of the problem. A lot of, I don't know if it was entered these guys' minds or not, but in a lot of incidents, I can tell you a cop will hesitate. Because he's worried that okay, I'm gonna go do this and then somebody's gonna turn around and sue me or charge me criminally for doing something for a murder, uh manslaughter. So we also need to straighten up our court systems. Now in saying that Do you
2: do you really think that's what was going on in that hallway outside the classroom?
5: I don't know. I don't know. I don't think any of us do, but I'm just saying it just in general. With police officers and taking action or not and things like that, that is, believe me, that that thought goes through their head these days. Mm-hmm. There's there's mm-hmm. police officers in jail right now that are that were involved in mm-hmm. incidences in recent right. years that are now in prison that right. really should I be. Some of them should be, but some right. of them shouldn't be. Right. So, all what do we you do about that? How do we you, fix you get that? Out there, well, that's our court systems. People, for one, when they're on a jury, uh, you have to quit ruling in favor of the little guy all the time rule what should be ruled you know judge people the right way go to the honest okay. answer don't 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 rule against the big corporation every time they're not always to blame don't rule okay. against the government entity they're not always to blame give a fair ruling i don't know okay i mean but the,
2: okay i don't, I, I don't think i will i will tell you steve hard. i understand what you're saying but i don't think episodes like this will Lead us in the direction you want us to go. In other words, this doesn't this doesn't encourage the kind of thinking you're trying to encourage.
5: Well, no, I mean it may or may not, but it, it, well, I mean practice, it doesn't.
2: Though. I mean it it doesn't. It takes people that didn't have an opinion about policing, and it gives them it gives them a negative one. So I, I hear what you're saying. You're saying, in other words, don't always presume that in any disputed situation or or facts don't always assume the cop was wrong don't always assume the cop acted rashly and i understand what you're saying and i agree with that um i would hope that we always judge these cases fresh freshly and and without preconceived notions but but we all get our preconceived notions from what makes the news what we hear about what we know and and in the same way that people will form you you'll have people that will have one bad encounter with a a speeding ticket or a traffic stop, and for the rest of their lives, they will tell that story. And, And logically, that isn't representative of anything. One encounter with one cop of one force in one community is not indicative of anything. But they will take that story and they will live on it. Imagine how many people will live on Uvalde and all i'm saying is as somebody that wants to i am i'm thirsting for facts or for a version of the facts that would make the non-response understandable or conceivable we just are not hearing it
3: this is alex stone
1: abc news congratulations to ktsa on one hundred years of service to san antonio and south texas
2: KTSA's AccuWeather says breezy and 76 tonight, sunny and 102 tomorrow and 100 right now at San Antonio Severe Weather Station, 550 and 1071 KTSA. So um, they report called the alert um, report on the shooting at Rob Elementary School in Uvalde. Uh, says that the uh, gunman was in the sights of police officers at least two different times before he went into the school. In one incident, uh, in in one instance, a school district police officer sped past the shooter and didn't see him. And in another, a Uvalde police officer saw the gunman approaching the school carrying a rifle, having shot the rifle, asked for permission to shoot the gunman. The report says the supervisor either didn't hear him or responded too late and the gunman entered the school. A former police chief uh, who now works uh, on um, the alert report at Texas State said, quote, having someone already fired off two rounds now walking toward a school with a rifle, you have to tell yourself nothing good is going to come out of this. There is no time to ask for permission. 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555 Joe is on KTSA Joe good afternoon How you doing Hey Joe
0: I've been a I've been a policeman for 34 years and I've seen the rapid decline in law enforcement and it comes from from one major issue and that is the people at the top the people at the top of the agencies are more worried about liability they're more worried about Who's going to get sued? They're more worried about uh, their promotions, their future, their careers than they are about doing the right thing. The person in the field is so worried that they're going to lose their job. Most of these small agencies are understaffed. They're undertrained. And they're day to day. They don't know what the policy is going to be. And the training has changed, but only recently. Fifteen years ago, when you had a shooter, you waited for the SWAT team to show up. It was only after we've had some of these recent catastrophes in the last 10 or 15 years that that's changed. Mm-hmm. But most police departments, small police departments, don't have that training. Right. They don't have the manpower. We have turnover that's unbelievable. I work for an agency that's at 50% manpower right now. And I don't know that we would be prepared for that. I don't doubt that they would have the resolve to want to do the right thing, but I don't know that they're they're prepared for that and I come from a large agency and now work for a small agency in mm-hmm. my second career mm-hmm. and what the what the large cities and the police chiefs and the the people that are running these agencies have done to the police departments
4: is pitiful.
2: It sounds like they've it sounds like they've Damaged a profession, not just departments. They've damaged a profession because the public's expectations obviously are very different, right?
0: Well, of course, and they should be. The public should expect to be protected when they're not able to protect. I don't personally believe the first responders are the first responders. I think everybody's responsible for their own, and we should be the ones going to help those people that are unable to help themselves. But in the situation of that school, that person hesitating, what was going through his mind was whether he was going to have a job next week. Mm-hmm. That shouldn't go through his mind. Mm-hmm. And that falls back on the people that run that agency. Yeah. That falls Just... back on the people that are not prepared, are not preparing these officers to make those decisions and having their back. And they're worried about every running everybody else. And in San Antonio Police Department, you have the exact same thing. Those officers are, are more concerned. they're not even allowed to chase people.
2: Now you've had a lot of, you've had a long experience. I, I want to ask you before we run out of time. Would you think that something like this could be a shock to the system? Could it change what you're describing?
0: I think that it'll change part of it. But as you, I mean, it's not the first situation that, that there's been. It goes all the whole way back to Columbine. There was things done incorrectly right. back then. It just wasn't as Parkland, bad. Parkland, Florida,
2: yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. There, there's been issues all along. So certain things change and some training changes. But the turnover in these departments is just one after another, after another, after another. And the, under, the most underpaid departments have people showing up and applying for their departments when they're shorthanded that are rejects from other departments and you're starting all over over and over and over and over and over again. Yeah.
2: Well, I hope something changes. I hope, uh, maybe a shock to the system is, 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 uh, what this turns out to be because it certainly is not, uh, it's not reassuring and everything you've said makes a lot of sense and I appreciate your saying it. I appreciate the career you've had and the work you're doing. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for the call. Um, you can hear in his voice the frustration, you know, just this is a profession, it's not a job. And uh, they know that we expect it to do more. They want to do more. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure that there were people involved in that Uvalde response that haven't had a good night's sleep since, that don't feel right about it, that have rethought and, and agonized over something they did or did not do, probably did not do. I, I know these are not bad people, but there's something bad in the culture, the training, the maybe maybe the litigious society, maybe the defund the police, maybe all of that. Um, children were screaming, suffering, and calling nine one one, and adults were waiting. That's dysfunction.